I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to celebrate two people's uh, entrance into heaven this week uh, in, in funerals, celebrations. And, you know, every funeral that I've done and every pastor, minister, it, the results is not always the same. And so I, I want to just press the rewind button for 30 seconds and I want to remind everybody that hell is still a real destination, heaven is still a real destination, and I shared it at 9.15 and it wasn't planned, but all you have to do to avoid hell and go to heaven is just simply believe on Jesus. That is it. You know, you don't have to store up a bunch of money in a church. You don't have to memorize every book of the Bible. You just got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And so I kind of use that as a preference before I read something that God laid on my heart early this week and I could not get away from it. I thought I was in the clear up until this morning. I thought that maybe God was going to take us in a different direction. But in your Bible, phone, whatever has a Bible on it or in it, I want you to turn to 1 Peter, and we're going to just be in chapter 1, but I'm going to start in verse 3, because, and I hate to say it like this, but here's the deal. Everybody here and everybody that we all know is going to end up in hell, hope not, or either in heaven. And in between that time, there is something that we all have in common. See, whoever goes to hell, we all don't have that in common. Whoever's going to heaven, we all don't have that in common. But while we live on this earth, there is one thing, saint or sinner, we all have in common, and that is tribulations, that is various trials and tests. And the Bible tells us that that is the case, so we all got that in common. So I've always been kind of just a plain Jane when it comes to that subject. If you're going to fight while you're down here on the earth, at least have a great retirement picture, amen? Hell don't look that inviting to me from what I understand. So if, we, if we're going to suffer at some level in this life, rich, poor, healthy, or whatever, we all ought to at least make all the preparation we can to at least finish strong but finish well. And I'm so glad that my God loves me and you enough to give us just the plain truth and tell us how we ought to handle this situation that you're in or you just came out of or you're about to enter again and there's no way around it. I don't care if you say, I'm going to listen to rock music and smoke pot the rest of my life and maybe it won't happen to me. I got news for you. People listen to, listen to rock music and smoke pot because they're in tests and trials. And anybody that's like been down that road, you know I'm telling the truth right now. Amen, brother, you are. So, God's got something good in here for me and you to kind of dwell on while all that's going on in the world, but while it's going on in our life. 
And verse 3 starts out by just taking us straight to what we need to hear today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his, His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. That's that retirement scene I'm talking about and undefiled, and that does not fade away, and reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this, in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice And New King James says, with joy inexpressible or joy unspeakable and full of glory. And 9 and 10 finishes out where we are today, receiving the end. See, your faith's not through yet. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now, what I'm going to do, Derek, without any warning, I'm just going to go back quickly, and it's not going to be underlined on the screen, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to point out, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, at least 10 or 11 things that you kind of need to remember like yesterday as we live a life that is defined a lot by tests and by trials, by various trials. So, we're going to go back to to verse 3, and I'll kind of give you a heads up so you'll know where I am. Verse 3, the first thing that the Lord wanted us to know that Peter jotted down was that we actually have a living hope. I'm glad that my hope is not a dead hope or one that I, I think is out there. We have a living hope. Verse 4 reminds us that we have a reserved, I just talked about this a few weeks ago, a reserved inheritance in heaven. Verse 5 said, and this is stuff you need to remember as you live through and go through these things we all face. Verse 5 says and reminds me that I'm actually kept by the power of God. Let me pause for a minute and tell you that. See, At any time, the the power of God is keeping you from a test or a trial that actually could take you out of this life and this earth. If it wasn't for the hand of God and the power in the hand of God holding you, restraining the enemy, and keeping you where you don't completely sink and drown, A lot of things that I have gone through with, I can tell you without any hesitation, 
should have and would have taken me out of this world and I would not have been here. So I ought to remind myself every day that I don't care what it is and there's going to be a lot more. I know everybody got up early to hear this part. A lot more tests and trials that we're going to face, folks, because the Lord is soon to take his bride away and Satan is very aware of that. And so as he is getting desperate because... I, can I just say this? I don't want to give Satan any credit at all, but I do have to, I just have to tell you the truth. And I want to tell everybody here that Satan knows the bet, this Bible right here better than all of us put together and multiplied many times over. He knows every word. He knows the punctuation in the Bible. He knows about the Bible. In fact, he sang and glorified God with words from this Bible right here. He did before he was ousted and kicked for wanting to be like God. So my point being that Satan knows the Bible and he's aware of things like signs of the times. He's familiar with the passage that talks about the earth cries out with birth pangs like a woman in travail or a lady that's pregnant about to give birth to a child, that's what the earth is doing. It's crying out. Well, how, how's it crying out? Man, you wouldn't realize, and I've, I'm, I'm repeating myself again, all of the volcanoes, all of the seismic activity alone that's going on right now, all over the globe, I mean, at levels, tsunamis, things that, that you just won't hear about because other things must be talked about, if you know what I mean, and so all of these things are going on and Satan is very aware of the times and the seasons we are living in. So church, listen to me again. I'm telling you that you need to understand that he is going to do all he can to derail you and then he's going to do all he can to derail us, the church. And so what we have to do we have to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. So when I tell you about a living hope, when I tell you about a reserved inheritance in heaven, when I tell you about the fact that you are kept every day by the power of God, Satan knows that and you need to recall that and you need to build yourself up. Headache, heartache, if you've got to quit your job, if you've lost your job, if you're probably going to lose your home because you lost your job, or if your marriage is on the rocks, or if your sanity is on the rocks, you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith and know that in every trial and every test that I'm still kept by the power of God, I've got a reserved inheritance. I wake up with all the bad news, but praise God, I wake up with a living hope, and the Bible tells me that. And also, the Bible says something else I ought to do and remind myself in verse 6 is I need to rejoice. This is kind of like a reaction to what I'm about to say. Because you are grieved, and I do need to read this, uh, in this you greatly rejoice. In all, the in all the trials you go through, you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, if need be, let me tell you about the if need be. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Don't raise your hand. So let me just raise it for all of us because I know whether you like it 
or don't even want to reflect back to it. You have had a trial. You're in a trial. I've told Nikki this. I've told uh, other family members this. I might have shared this with some of you that whether anybody knows your business or not, and they don't have to, I'll tell you just for you that your family's under attack. Your children get attacked. You get attacked. You get ostracized. Your body gets attacked. Everything that concerns your household gets attacked. Attack, 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 attack. It, it seems like it's never over with, and it's, and, and it's something that if need be, if, if that is you, then what the Bible says, if that's happened to you, then what you ought to do as a reaction to that, you ought to rejoice. It's like sticking your tongue back out at the devil and says, I know you did this to us. I know you did this to me, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to try to build a fan base up and try to get people to feel sorry for me. I'm just going to rejoice like Paul and Silas did at midnight when their backs were beaten and, and they were bleeding and they were locked up in jail. They didn't whine to the jailer. They didn't whine to the other inmates. They just threw their hands full of shackles and they waved them in the air like they really did care because they did and they rejoiced and the Bible says they sang songs and hymns and spiritual songs so if you're tired of the devil and his various trials and the test hey let's rejoice for a little while and see how he likes that he don't like it by the way and so the Bible says that's what I need to do the Bible also lets me know that my trial is not singular there's an S on that word, and it's, it follows the word various. That means that I'm not limited to just waking up with sinus trouble every day. That doesn't mean that you, you just have arthritis or back trouble or marital problems or problems, uh, your children at school or, you know, hey, man, your vehicle is like it's been possessed or whatever. Uh, it's just all kinds of things. The Bible tells us that we need to understand that we have various trials and they are always going to just be this and be that. I remember when we were, hey, this is a good time for announcement because this reminded me of a great announcement. I remember, I think Nikki was there. I, I'm pretty sure Reggie was there. Let me tell you, now Reggie can be there, but not really be there. I can say that he's not here today. But Robbie was there. Robbie, we're close enough. I don't think he cares that I say this. Because I just preached about it, so I know he don't care. Uh, before what I'm about to say. But the announcement is, folks, listen. Come on, man. Wednesday nights, I mean for real. You mean you have not contacted at least 10 children, students, or something and compelled them, the Bible uses the word, compelled them to go to church? I mean, my word, I would hit you if I knew I was 14, say. I could go over to that youth center and get a chocolate milkshake for $2. I would, I would borderline toilet paper your house if I knew you wasn't telling me that was going on. Yep, that really happened, and I'm sorry to say 
I was in on things like that before I was really filled with the Spirit and knew Jesus. So let's go back to the message. So we were in this beautiful facility working, both of them. You need to be there, folks. I'm just sorry. You know, during, during the tribulation, it's going to be kind of too late to go or get other kids to go, kind of after the fact type thing. But I just preached the day before, some of you are going to remember this, about <laughs> telemarketers and people calling to collect bills. Do y'all remember that or something like, you know, uh, specifically medical bills? I mean, come on. We ought not to even be talking about any type of medical bill ever, ever again. Amen? I mean, they ought, that, that, no. You just need to get rid of that word. I mean, you know, there's, this, this is a soapbox right now, and I'm, I'm going to rebuke it. I'm not getting on it. But I was talking about it because you know what the worst kind of medical bill is? I, I'm going to tell you all. Now, you can, you can quote me on this. The worst medical bill in the world you can have is one you actually don't owe. One that's actually done been paid. Yeah, done been paid. And you know it's been paid, but it's been turned over to a collection agency. I know y'all want to shout and have revival for a week, but just hold and comp compose yourself. The next day we were over there. Hey, <laughs> I called it up for Robbie. Robbie got one of them calls while we were working. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But... The good news is it got, it got fixed that quick. It was already, wasn't it fixed, Robbie? Hallelujah. Because Robbie, you know, I thought he was going to get so shaken up. Uh, he, he wasn't going to help no more because he was just messed up. But, but I thank God that he got delivered. And uh, when Robbie gets upset, I mean, it ain't like me getting upset, you know. I mean, I got veins that pop out and all that. And Robbie talks two miles faster than he normally does when he gets upset. And so he was upset. So where are you going with all this? I'm telling you that you've got to watch out because these various trials and tests, sometimes if you don't put together all these things we're talking about, they can bring out the best in you at any given time, and you've got to know that. But verse 7 says what has to happen in me and you, as that the genuine precious faith that we have should be defined. Everybody look at these three words. Our faith should be defined by not getting mad, not arguing with people out here now, but my trial should not define what's going on really inside of me or my test, but my faith ought to generate and it ought to say what's going on in my life produces praise, Peter said, praise, honor, and glory. That's kind of connected back to the rejoice word we talked about a while ago. Everything I'm telling you is a fire starter in hell. And I'm telling you that when you decide to not let, and I'm not dismissing pain, man. I hate pain. I hate pain. I got two tephuses right now that probably need some work done, but I ain't wanting to go near somebody to breathe on me if you know what I mean. 
Seriously. I don't want to get near anybody. I just don't want nobody other than maybe Angie and Beckham that close to me and Laurel. I got to be careful with her. I just don't. I don't even want this Jesus here to be that close to me. I want the real one. So I'm telling you, folks, so there's all kind of things that's going on, and I hate pain. I hate pain. But what I've got to remember is when these things happen, the course of action you need to take and I need to take is one of rejoicing and what's happening inside of me, what Jesus did for me at Calvary, all to produce, and this is kind of a litmus test for everybody here this week, is what you're going through or what you've gone through, has it, does it produce praise and honor and glory? Ask yourself that question right now. Well, I'm just venting. You know how I am about venting. Has it produced that? If it doesn't produce praise and honor and glory, listen to this. I don't care what anybody tells you, even any preacher tells you. It is a direct reflection on your salvation, your faith. I didn't tell you that, but that scripture we just read did. Because your faith ought to produce your faith. Doesn't matter about the trial. It doesn't matter about it. It says it ought to produce praise and honor and glory. I don't think anybody in here has been treated like the reference I just made to Paul and Silas. You might have got your rump whoop when you were younger or something like that, but I don't think you've been beat and left for dead with your back ripped wide open and about bled to death. I don't think anybody in here, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am, and that's what it produced and it wasn't because they just wanted to get back at the devil. They were so transformed by what Jesus did in their lives, it was an automatic reaction for the rest of their life. They didn't have to wait till 1030 for praise to come out of their mouth or glory or honor. They didn't have to wait to get around other Christians for rejoicing to be an attitude. It was who they were, and it was a direct reflection, not of their talk, but their walk with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, that's where the money is, folks. And the devil hates that. The Bible also said a while ago we read in verse 8 that, and in fact, I probably need to read that too, whom having you have not seen, you still love him. You know, the Bible tells a story about the disciples seeing Jesus one day. And when they say, hey, is everybody with me right now? I feel the devil might be working in the area of distraction. I don't know, I just got that vibe. And you know, I hate that word. I just got that feeling. That's also something I had to do to make people that wasn't quite with me, get back with me right, or, or with this. Not me, but this right here. I don't care if you hear me, but you got to hear the Bible because that's how we all get home. Amen? Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. One time Jesus was with his disciples and about all of them was there, but one guy. And since he wasn't there, you know, he wasn't really excited about the news that Jesus was there. In fact, he had a, a typical religious response to it and he said well I wasn't there man have I not been in this situation in the past year and a half I don't believe it I don't believe it I don't believe it he said in fact I won't believe it unless I can see his hands and touch his side 
I'm, I'm using some, some old stuff from a week ago. He said, I won't believe it. And the Lord says this, this is another sign of if where you are in your walk with the Lord. Yes, the praise and the honor and the glory and the rejoicing, but also you just choose to believe the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not a Thomas. You're not like Thomas was. You don't have to be there. In fact, it was impossible to be there, but you believe it so much, it's changed you so much that you believe it as if you were there and you know that everything the Bible has said is absolutely 100% true and accurate and you believe him like he was standing or sitting beside you right now. And if you believe the Lord at that level, this is also something that's hidden away from people. That's when you pray for people and they get healed. That's when you hear things from the Lord or the Lord reveals things to you that other people that say they have the same God or experience don't really ever hear or see or experience. All that comes from... I just believe the Lord. I've prayed for umpteen people for over 30 years and a lot of them I never saw anything happen. I didn't see anything happen, but I tell you what, I don't care if I ever see God do anything for anybody I ever pray for. All I can do is ask. But I do know one thing, that I'll never stop believing that all things are possible to them that believe, it's not the outcome, the results is never yours. It's never mine. He just charged you and charged me with believing him. And when you believe the Lord, the Bible says he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So during the test, during the trials, I rejoice, I give God praise honor and glory in the midst of every storm, I also do this. I believe God. Say this with me. I believe God. And I believe God regardless of what's going on in my life. And I had to tell Pat this before he died. You cannot think that what you're going through right now necessarily is punishment from God. It may be that you're finally at some point in your spiritual walk with the Lord that you actually qualified for God to allow you to go through this test or trial. Now, you want to make the devil mad? You change your attitude and let that be your attitude. I finally got somewhere in my walk where God allowed me to be tested at this level. I blessed, I blessed myself that time, and I didn't even have that in my and I didn't even say it. I just repeated what the Lord told me to say. And I'm telling you folks, don't say what you're going through with is a direct result of something you've done. Now, sometimes you are in a reap-sow situation because if you plant it, honey, it's coming up. I don't care what it is. It is going to be reaped. But the Bible also says this. I rejoice not with just regular old plain multitudes coming here, green chair rejoicing. This is how you rejoice. I love the fact that God is very detailed. I mean, if you want to... See, if I'm telling you the truth, go read the ark account. Go read the tabernacle account. God didn't say go throw up a tent or go build a, like a canoe. 
He said how big it had to be, what it had to be made out. And God also said this, I don't want you saints of God, children of mine, when you're going through tests and trials, I don't want you just to rejoice with any kind of rejoicing. I don't want you to give me just any... Let me help these people out over here on this side. I don't want you just to give me any kind of praise and honor and glory, but I want you to emerald that thing. I want you to kick it up a notch and a half. I want the joy and the, the, the rejoicing that's going on in your life to be joy unspeakable, inexpressible. It's so good from God that I can't even really, and it's full of glory. So the next time that you get ready just to, as some people say, get your praise on or get your worship on or just praise God in the storm, the casting crown song, the next time you get ready to do that, just don't do this number, give God a little bit. I, I mean, you need to do like we saw growing up, the hairpins going this way and that way and the hair whipping and about take your head off. You need to bring it. You hear me? When he comes at you with a test or trial, you need to do it with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, you just need to mess things up. Your radio in your car needs to get to a level that it's never seen before. I mean, it needs to hurt your ears. Don't wreck and don't kill nobody. But you just need to confuse the devil and all of hell that, look, if it's you doing this to me, that was not a good move on your part because this is how I'm going to respond to what's happening. I'm going to praise God like I've never praised him before. And the Bible says this. The Bible says in verse 9 that it's coming, that you're going to receive. See, your salvation is not complete. I know you said the sinner's prayer and we've repented and we've taken communion. We had baptismal service last week. But look, your salvation is not complete until you get to heaven and we drink that final cup with the Lord and you see him face to face and it is on its way. It is coming, folks. I'm telling you, it's coming. The Bible says you're going to receive the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And that's when you'll be able to hear the Lord say, well done. Oh, well done. I said it yesterday and I'm going to say it again. Well done. The Lord's going to look at you and say, he really thought that that was going to do you in. Oh, but you did it out. I mean, you did it out. He's going to look at you and say, come on, you next, come on. I'm waiting to tell you. He didn't win. It didn't work. He thought it was going to shake you. He thought it was going to redefine you. But come on, you just praised louder. You, he said, come on, I'm going to tell you, well done. Well done. You did it well. Well done. God's going to say, well done. Come on in. Come on in. That's the way you want to arrive, church. That's how we want to arrive home. You want to hear him saying, well done. It's over with now. Well done. I'm ready to hear those words. You hear me? Bible also says that in verse 10 through 12, let me just tell you these real quick. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that was come to so see. We've been told a long time, verse 11, you probably don't have it, but listen. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating 
when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ. I know this is kind of, huh, what you talking about, but wait. And the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us. They were prophesying about something they would never really see then. And he said it wasn't really, it, to them it was revealed, he was saying, but not to themselves. But it was revealed to them so it could be revealed to us and in us and through us. And then he went on to say that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. And folks, I want to close by telling you this right here. That you have to be like verse 13 says. Verse 13 says it like this. Therefore, taking all these things we talked about this morning into consideration, gird up the loins, listen to this, of your mind. Of your mind. Everybody stop what you're doing and listen. I talked about Paul and Silas's back, but there's not a person breathing right now. The biggest battle you will ever face is right here. You hear me? I don't care if you say, look, I wake up and I sing positive songs. I don't, <laughs> listen to me. Because this thing right here, he's always talking to you through these ears that's connected to this head. He's talking to Brother Swells all the time. And I'm about to get into another message that's got to say, but so I'm going to try to say it without saying that. He's always working up here. He's telling teenagers things. He's telling married men. He's telling married women. He's telling people that are uh, distraught because of uh, medical uh, reports that their bodies have cancer. He's always working up here. He's creating scenarios and situations. Oh, look. Oh, look at what's happening. This is what's going to take place in your life. This is, he's working right here in your mind. That's why this Bible I am reading out of today says, therefore, it didn't say your feet, your hands, your arms, your shoulders. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Your mind. You've got to get that joker out of your head. Gird up the loins of your mind. I know somebody may be online visiting. I wonder what translation he's reading out of. I've never heard joker in the Bible. You gird up the loins of your mind and you, I, the words the Lord uses here, be sober, but I've never drank before. Yes, you have. If you've listened to the lies of the devil, the father of all lies, you've been very drunk on a bunch of junk that's never taken place or will take place. He said, hey, man, rejoice. Be glad and give glory and honor and praise. And by the way, get him out of your head and be sober for a change. Don't let the intoxicating things of Satan or the world dictate your personality or your attitude or your praise or what you're going through with. He says, therefore, gird up the loins, get it together, get it back in shape up here and be sober. And I love this word. I've been waiting all morning to get here, folks, and rest your hope 
fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here I go. I'm telling you this. What you have got to do, folks, is this right here. You've got to understand that as long as there is a vacancy sign, look at me, right here on your forehead. As long as there is a vacancy sign. How do I have a vacancy sign, man? You have a vacancy sign when your life is not defined by rejoicing all the time. See, we rejoice when you got stimulus checks or, you know, paid something off or going on vacation. You rejoice then or you can get out of your house. Oh, rejoicing's automatic. But the vacancy sign is there when your life is void of rejoicing, glorifying God, praising and honoring Him in spite of all of it, and your mind is now fixed and focused. I read Billy Graham this week where he said, you know, the older I get, the more my mind. I realize I've got to keep my mind on Christ because of what I'm talking about. A great illustration that we heard in a devotion this week, Angie and myself, and she reminded me, I'm going to share it with you. It's not original. Uh, the Bible says in John 15 and 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You are in the world. Let me let Derek show you this picture really quick. See, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a boat sitting or a boat on water. You see? Especially when it's got a beautiful blue line there that we're going to figure out how to get rid of one year. It's kind of like that quick. There's nothing wrong, folks, with a boat in the water at all, even if the water's deep. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it, certainly if it's shallow. Boat can sit there all day long in the water. You can be in the world because you are every second of your life. The problem is for the boat, when the water gets in the boat, you see, the whole situation changes. In fact, in 2016, we almost can laugh about this now. We found out that object lesson was very true. Caitlin and Tyler was dating. We were at uh, the beach, rented a boat. And, man, I had a brand new tackle box that Caitlin had gotten me for Christmas. Brand new. We were in this rented boat, the four of us. And we went out to the jetties and something happened to when we turned the boat because we, we hit a spot we didn't know, a little sandbar out there. Well, as soon as we hit it, and I'm kind of got, I got to speed up and give you the Opie notes. Opie and Cliff, we're cousins. I didn't tell you all that because I didn't want you to think I get royalties off of Cliff notes. But we hit a sandbar right there at the jetties and it kicked the back end of the boat around, and all of a sudden, water started coming in by droves all uh, over the back. It got in, and that, that thing, it started sinking. There went that nice tackle box 
So I mean, in the jetties, and here's, and we pick about, and she said, I lost my flip flops. She lost her flip flops. And, and here's the worst part. Tyler, uh, Caitlin had, was going to go get help because there wasn't nobody in sight where we were. And we got out of the boat uh, when me and Angel, we were all trying to push the boat. One of my hernia surgery came in, by the way, free of charge today. And all of a sudden, me and Angie got caught in a rip current. And nobody knew it but me. And I'm trying to be nice and sanctified. I stress sanctified. When I tell Caitlin, throw us one of those life preservers. Now, the water's only about this deep, but it don't matter in a rip current, okay? And everything's getting gone off the boat because of all the water's in there. And here's the deal. So Caitlin says, I can't get it. I said, throw me, throw me the life preservers now. I don't know if it was the Holy Ghost or what took over her. She was able to get them out of the top or she was worried I was going to walk on that water and come tear her up. But I'm telling you, I said we got to have them life preservers because it don't look good for me and her mama. I couldn't tell her mama that what was going on because that thing was pulling us. And I'm telling you, and so... All that happened because water got in the boat. And do you know, I know that's kind of funny now. And, and by the way, we call it our, the Gilligan Island. We refer to it as our three-hour tour. We do and when we want to joke about it. But I've seen that scene played out so many times with people that I've pastored, people that I know, people in the faith. I know they get in a boat, and they're good in their relationship. They start out good, and they're full of praise. They're full of rejoicing, honor, and glory, and they're doing good while they're working among their friends or while they are on a... a, 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 a I, I knew some guys in football that... Uh, one, particularly back home, that he was very outspoken. His name was Kevin, and... All through high school, I mean, that's before it was like cool and all this stuff. The dude brought, I mean, he was big, but he was, he was, a, he was the premier symbol of a Christian young man at Richmond Senior High back in the early 80s. I mean, he was the guy, and I admired him. I mean, I was an undercover Christian, but I admired him, though. And I'm telling you, folks, that there's a lot of people that they do good in this world. They do really good, but then all of a sudden, a little bit of water gets in, and then a little bit more water gets in, and then they settle, well, it's okay. I mean, they've been in church a long time, and they don't, nobody say nothing to them about it. Don't ever let anybody else be your standard. Let the Bible be your standard, man. And so here comes some more water and some more water, or here comes some pressure. we got a little bit of pressure going on in our earth right now got a lot of pressure that people are under a little bit of pressure so here's some more water and what you got to watch out for folks 
is that as soon as you give in, there's always a guaranteed rip current that's designed to go along with your sanctioning of allowing water to get into your boat and cause you to drown, to cause you to sink, to cause you to backslide, and it is possible. Since I brought up young people, let me bring up some more young people. And I can prove to you in the first chapter of Daniel that there was three teenage boys that they were under a lot of pressure like people are today and they said, well, we're not going to get involved in that. We know our God, we believe, I brought that up, we believe our God is the real true God and we're not going to bow and to this image that you've got here, we're not going to do it. And let me tell you how God responds when you respond. The Bible tells us that they did get a, a, a very hot furnace, a fiery furnace, a trial. They were in one, and it was seven times hotter. In fact, the people that threw them in died from the heat. That's a no-brainer right there. Why didn't they die? But check it out. When they got thrown into the fire, the Bible says that not even the smell of the smoke got on their clothes because there was a fourth man in the fire that looked like the Son of God. When you say, I'm in the world, but I'm not going to be pressured by the world. I'm not going to allow the world to fool me into putting a little cup of water in the boat because God was good enough 2,000 years ago to send Jesus to Calvary so that I wouldn't have to live a life that allowed water in the boat. He loved me enough to save me, to put me in the boat. So I'm in this world and I'm not going to be of this world. I don't care what the consequences is. And I promise you, based on the Bible right here, that when you do that, then you can look for that fourth man in your life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You lose your job. He's promised in the same Bible to feed and clothe you. If you lose your house, he's going to take care of you. He takes care of birds and flowers. He'll take care of you. And you've got to understand, I've just got to make my mind up. I'm not going to let the world allow me to think it's okay to live any kind of way. I'm on my way home. I'm going to heaven and I'm also going to make sure that everybody knows that I'm going to just rejoice and praise God all the time, every time and I'm going to do it with passion, with joy, unspeakable and full of glory because that's what God wants you and I to do and that's how he wants you to fight your battles. Will you stand with me? So, today before we pray, I just want to tell you that the battle you are in or the battle you will face or the fiery furnace or trial or test should equal praise and honor and glory. And I know this never fails. Somebody will tell me of a story that I almost can't believe of something that's happened or happening in their life. And it's bad. I'm not like, like downplaying anybody's stuff. But I want to tell you folks, something, if we are saved by the blood of Jesus, by the grace of God, Everything in my life ought to produce 
something godly. I mean, it was God that saved me. So, through Jesus and the cross, so since I'm not the same man anymore, you know, that's what it ought to produce. And I've told this story, I, I really will pray and dismiss. But maybe one or two people may not remember or have heard this. I won't ever forget the church that I'm uh, connected to with prayer when I was in school in Charlotte. I, I remember the pastor talking about Rick Hendricks' uh, plane when that plane went down and his son was on it. And the pastor and his wife went to the home and when they walked into the door that, that his wife, Linda, I believe, that she was in the bedroom crying with her hands in the air. And this is what she said. She just lost her son in a plane crash with other people from other uh, race car uh, teams. She said, with tears running down her face, knowing she's going to bury her baby in a day or two, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, I don't know if I could do that. You can't do that. Don't you think you can do that? The only way you can ever get close to that is by walking with that fourth man all the time. By living a life of praise and honor and glory all the time. Rejoicing. And it might be with your head, it might be curled up in a living room floor. It might be driving home from work because your mind is not sober yet. You haven't been able to gird up the loin. But see, that's your steps in going that way. And that's what we have to do. We have to understand we're in this world, we're not of this world, and this world is not our final home. We're on our way home. And so, eyes closed everywhere. And I want you to, today, if you are not a Christian, you are not a believer, I need to pray with you because you need to believe so you can go home to the right home. I want you to meet me down here. If you've not asked Jesus to come into your heart, I want you to know that there's a place designed, I said retirement, but it's, it, that retirement's not even a good word because it undersells what heaven really is. And if you're online, I want you to know that this is all you have to do. You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. You have to acknowledge it. You have to realize. I don't care if your uncle's a preacher or your cousin knows a lot about the Bible and they say there's nothing wrong with it, you're okay. As long as you do good, you'll go to heaven. Listen to me. I would go by the book that promises heaven. That's the Bible. And you have, to, you have to accept the whole Bible or God says, you know, none of it matters to you if you don't accept the whole thing. So you have to say, Lord, I acknowledge I am a sinner. I was born into a sinful world. And as good as I've tried to live, that does not forgive my sins. 
And only one thing forgives your sins. That is acknowledging and repenting. You have to say, Jesus, I am sorry. The Bible says there is no way to the Father but through the Son. He also says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Isaiah 53, 54, 55, all talk about the Messiah being prophesied, born through the lineage of David, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, being the Savior of the world. And if you call on Him right now and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, the Bible says that without any hesitation, the Lord says, it's done Welcome into my family, child. And he also says the old things are gone and everything's new from that moment on. If that's you in the house or out of the house, I say it every week. Joe says it every week. But I want you to do it. If you've never done this, I want you to text the word SAVED to 910-400-400. Whatever those last four digits are. 1199. Or you can go to it, multitudeschurch.com slash saved. You'll get immediate help and it'll let us know how to pray for you. And today I want everybody just to stay where you are and I want to pray that the Lord will bless and keep you Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. Turn his countenance. Lord, look dead at you. I've talked about that today. I want him to give you peace. But I want the Lord to give you that peace that passes understanding. Because church, listen to me today. You need that peace while you rejoice in Hard times. You need that peace while you give God all praise and all honor and all glory. And we're going to pray for a family before we leave right now. And this is why we give everybody an invitation. I had a guy that approached me at the grave yesterday. He says, man, I just want to thank you for giving the invitation again. I said, man, I'll never leave it out. I said, I don't know when it'll be my last opportunity to do it or people's last opportunity to hear it. My sister-in-law in in the mountains, her nephews, and and we're close. They're, They're 20 years, they're family to us now. But her nephew's fiance, uh, got a call early this morning that her brother, 20 years old, driving from Greenville, don't know if he fell asleep or what, but his life's over with. He didn't get a chance to do anything but take his last breath unexpectedly. So, folks, I am telling you, you can tell me you're a careful driver. That ain't got nothing to do with anything. You'll pass a 1,000 cars today of people that are not careful. If you don't believe me, without getting distracted, Look, as a car passes you by and how many times somebody's doing that. You know I'm telling you the truth. Those people kill people every day. So I'm telling you, folks, you can play with all kind of things. 
But don't play with your eternity. Know that you really do believe in Jesus like I've said today. And know for a fact, know for a fact that I don't care what happens to me. I don't care. Things are going to happen. But let me tell you, David said, I've never seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. So don't worry about your future or your tomorrow. God's got all of that in his hand. You just keep your rejoice up to par. You keep your praise and honor and glory at a level that it's never been and you watch the demons flee. Amen. Give the Lord a great big hand and we'll see you Wednesday night.